0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Stand with me if you would. Thank you for being here. I hope everybody's feeling good because you look good. Yes, if you'd open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, as we continue our third installment of Made to Soar. And today, my heart is simple. We're going to talk about how God has equipped us with what we need to do what he's called us to do. But we have to do what the Bible says, which is put it on. You know what I mean? Sometimes we forget like it's there, but we've got to actually go get it and put it on. So here, um, Paul is writing to his friends in Ephesus very famous passage of scripture therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm have you ever been there where god i can't do anything else and so i'm standing but i'm here in your presence i think so father our hearts are bowed we thank you for your goodness your grace your mercy just to illuminate our hearts with your spirit with your word today we pray in the mighty name of jesus christ everyone says amen amen, amen. wave at your neighbor you may be seated Thank you so much for being here once again. I was reading a story today. I'm probably going to make some of you guys nervous, but just wait till the end. Uh, (laughs) I was reading a story about the eagle and how the eagle, whenever it turns 30 or 40 years old, it has a decision to make. It flies high into the rocks and it stays up there for 150 days. And in that 150 days, the eagle will take its beak and begin to pull out the talons in its feet so it can grow new ones. In that 150 days, it will begin to pluck the feathers from its chest and from its wings so it can grow new ones and begin to be the bird, to be able to last the next 40 years. And then what it will ultimately do is take its beak and begin to crash it against a rock until the beak breaks off, and then it will grow a new one. And it does all of this so that it can last another 30 or 40 years. And I was reading that story. It's just an inspiring. Isn't that a great story? But this is the reality. Unfortunately, it's just a story. It's not real. It was, <laughs> gotcha! It got me last night. I'm like, is that, what, is that what eagles do? I want to be an eagle. Do I have to crash my face against a rock and get a better one than I have? This would be awesome. It doesn't happen that way. I was, I was doing research. It was an email circulating, and I'm sure before then it was a myth and a story that circulated. And the truth is that it's not real. And eagles don't do that. One of the researchers said, an eagle going without food 150 days, it would die. If an eagle goes more than 10 days, they're in trouble. I knew you'd raise your hand, Doc. I knew I was making Doc Rector nervous. He's like, this dude is telling us a lie right now, and he didn't even know it. (laughs) But as I was thinking about that story, I was thinking about, don't we wish life was like that? Like, we just arrived, you know what I mean? Like, God, if I go through this 150-day process, man, everything is going to be great after this. You know what I mean? I'm going to I'm going to grow into what I'm supposed to. I'm going to have this knowledge and this intellect that I never had before, and man, it's going to be amazing and it just takes maybe 150 days of seclusion and you're going to like rework my brain and my mind and this is going to be awesome. But unfortunately, that's not how life really works, is it? You learn as you go. It's a journey. I know more yesterday than I did today, and hopefully I'll know more tomorrow than I do today. And the only way to learn more is to experience more, and the only way to experience more is to continue going forward. The last thing that we want to do is have 40, 50, 60 years of the same year repeated, amen? We don't want that. But there's no sterile or place that we just arrive to then all of a sudden God's going to take us through this amazing transformation. It's a process of transformation. The Scripture even talks about that, how we're supposed to renew our mind and transform our mind with the Word of God, amen? And Paul here is writing to his, uh, his Ephesians friends, and he's helping them understand stuff. Now, he's closing out the book here. And if you know anything about Ephesus, man, it was, it was like a hub for all kinds of crazy stuff. Crossroads, different religions, different things that were happening, different practices, some that were perverted, some that weren't perverted. I mean, it was, it was a crazy time. It was a time of just economic trade in a place like that. And so Paul is writing to the Ephesians and saying, listen, sometimes what's going to happen is you're going to have done everything that you can and all that's left to do is to stand. But what you don't do is just stand on your own. What you do is you stand in the armor that God has provided for us. Now, what he's done is he likens it to like what they would be considered a Roman soldier at the time. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the eagle, and I was thinking it's amazing how God has equipped the eagle to soar. God has given the eagle everything that it needs to soar. And you and I are made to soar and made to live that lifestyle, and God has equipped us with everything that we need or will equip us with everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. We just have to choose to do what? Put it on. Every day, every day I go out there and say, God, this is what you're telling me to do, so I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to put on those things which I know that will help me in the battle that I'm in. Now, as we talk about the Roman soldier, there's no way in a 30-minute sermon that I can can get through everything that I want to, so I'm not going to pretend like I can, okay? So there'll be some. I actually want to skip down to the very end, and if you take like 17, 18, 19, those verses where it begins to talk about um, how you should pray without ceasing, and then it begins to talk about some other things that you do with your mouth, and you profess, and some other things, I would encourage you to go check out the eagle and how the eagle communicates, because there's some of that good stuff but we're going to stop early on about verse 17 when we get down to the last part of the sword of the spirit so there's only so much that we can handle here that we're going to do but it was amazing to me that 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 as i compared begin to compare the two how god has equipped the eagles and how he equips you and me the eagles are a majestic animal we all agree right they're amazing. They're beautiful. We've talked about their eyesight. We've talked about how they build their homes on high. we talk about how they soar, how they can do things. And it looks like it's zero effort, and they raise their young, and they do all these wonderful things. It's our national bird. But yet this, Jesus didn't die for the eagle. He died for us. So if he's willing to do all that to equip the animals that are majestic, how much more is he willing to do to equip you and I to do what he's called us to do? Amen. But this is the thing, we have to soar. And the hard part about soaring is many times it's unfamiliar. Riding in planes, I've had now the opportunity to ride in like little six-seater planes. I rode from Wichita Falls to Dallas one time. I've had the opportunity to ride from like Dallas to Oklahoma City, which is like, you know, a roll of maybe four or five people. And then I've got to ride on a, a bigger jet whenever we took off from, or bigger airplane whenever we took off from New York City and landed in Amsterdam on our last missions trip. And all of it's the same. I mean, big amenities and bigger plane, and there's a lot more ways to move around, and that's awesome. But my least favorite part of all the planes is whenever you're flying and your plane just seems to drop a little bit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, you feel like you're going to drop out of the stinking air. <laughs> I bet there wasn't a two-inch drop, you know what I mean? It's just like every once in a while, your bottom, the bottom falls out, and you do that for a little while. Well, that's what makes soaring so hard is because it's unfamiliar. We don't have the capability of knowing what's going to happen next. You hit air pockets and turbulence and these type of things that we hit. And we have to realize that, listen, God is in control. I am not, but he has made me to soar, so I must do things that are unfamiliar. And sometimes success is unfamiliar. Sometimes positive things in our life that are happening is unfamiliar. Sometimes that resistance in our life is familiar. I know the generation that we're serving today, no, is not something that's in their vocabulary very often. And resistance is a hard thing for them to deal with. Where you have a generation that's growing up where it seems like They have tried everything that they could to scrimp and save and get together what they have and worked really hard for it. And now, in their vocabulary, sometimes you know how to just take it easy and enjoy what you have. That's not always there either, is it? So you have the two different worlds, and I don't know which world you live in, but it's, it's, it's the same, same situation that you have where you say, listen, God, I have to do what you've called me do, and I just have to simply soar. And this is the reason why it matters because I believe that God has chosen for us to live in that abundant life, that soaring life, and to live in that fully and completely to what he's designed is means that we live in a life that's pleasing to God not a life that's, that's constrained by doubt and fear and struggles, but rather, God, I'm just going to believe I want to soar. I mean, how amazing is it for people to look at our lives and say, listen, I don't know how they got to where they got except for God got them there. I mean, that's really soaring. I look up at an eagle and I say, I don't know how in the world they do it. I mean, I know there's a lot of scientific things and everything's like that, but there's some innate behaviors that just happen that they respond and they look majestic and beautiful and they're amazing. And you just sit back and say, God created that. As I was driving today, I was thinking about anybody who does not believe in divine design, have you looked around and seen how amazing things are? Just researching the feathers on an eagle, which are really any bird, and you think about how they grow out of like what we would call a hair follicle, and they become big and massive, and they're hollow, and they're uniquely designed for that animal. It's amazing. They do things that they were made to soar. So you and I have the same thing, and Paul is writing here, and he's saying, listen, there's some things that you are going to happen in your life. You have to get comfortable with resistance. Anything that you're going to go after in the kingdom of God, there are going to be resistance, so get comfortable with it. But let's find out where that resistance comes from. Let's look at chapter, uh, let's look at chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So Paul comes out and says, Listen, the reason why I'm telling you to put on the armor of God is because I've told you what you're going to be facing. The first part of that, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And then the opening verses, therefore take up the whole armor of God. So now we're facing something we can't see, and we're kind of in over our heads. Amen. <laughs> That's salvation, is that God, I'm in over my head, and I need you to be my rescuer. I need you to be the one who teaches me and shows me. I need you to be the one who inspires me and encourages me, because I'm in a battle that sometimes not only do I not see, I don't even really know the battle that I am in, but according to your word and to your scripture, that you've given, is that I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there is a spiritual warfare out there that's more real than what I even see going on around me. So I take on the armor. If, if, if eagles did not have the body armor that they have, were not equipped how they were, then they could not do what God had called them to do. But since he called them to do it, he also equipped them to do it. And you and I, he's called us for that spiritual war, for that spiritual battle, He's called us for that place where, listen, it's you wrestle in your prayer room. You wrestle in your spirit. You wrestle after the things of God. And you won't understand why the resistance happens or even where it's coming from. Or maybe even understand the resistance. But it's from rulers of the darkness and of this age and spiritual hosts and wickedness and heavenly places. I mean, that's some pretty crazy stuff just to think about that we're going to get to face But it also shows you how much God loves us and trusts us. And it also shows us as Christians now that our eyes are open. Because remember, when you're dealing with people in the world, their eyes are closed. They don't understand. But as brothers and sisters, now we look back and say, okay, I understand why more of that happened. I understand why there was resistance there. And it helps us understand the importance of being saved and the importance of what we're doing. Because of all the things that Satan could fight us on, being wealthy, being healthy, being rich, all these different things, the things that he goes after us mostly for is our salvation experience. And Paul is saying, listen, you're going to be in that battle, and you're going to be in that fight, and you're going to be in some spiritual warfare, and you better have the armor to be able to do it. So I was thinking back about the eagles, and I was thinking about how verse 14, therefore, or excuse me, stand therefore having fasted on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate Of righteousness. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Paul is likening the body of armor that God provides for us in the spirit to the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers would have a breastplate of righteousness, excuse me, they would have a a belt of truth around their waist. Not a belt of truth. Let me just. It's funny when you get tongue-tied, you try to make it work, and it just doesn't work, Brent. You just got to stop. Okay, we all good now? You're like, I ain't the one with the problem, Matt. You were the one with the problem. (laughs) The military men would have the belt that would fasten around their waist, and this was the point of the belt. It would keep their garments tucked in. Because what would happen is everything that they did was pretty much hand-to-hand combat. And if you had your shirt swaying open, if you had something out there that was catching on other things, that were catching on the sword that they had or preventing them from the shield, then it made it impossible to fight like they needed to. Instead, it keep everything tucked in nice and tight. In our culture today, the reason why Paul is talking about the belt of truth is because we deal with lies like nobody's ever seen before. Same thing that he did. And the only way to tie up the loose ends of lies is to use truth. So every day, we take our waist, so to speak, our spiritual waist, and we say, today, I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to take this belt and put it around my waist, and I'm going to do everything that I can to walk in the truth because the only way to fight the enemy and the lies is to fight it with truth. The only way to fight darkness is with light. And in light, in Christ, there is no darkness. So I walk in Christ, and I surrender to the reality of truth. It goes on to the breastplate of righteousness, which is amazing because it covered all the major organs of the Roman soldier. And then there would be horns of animals sewn into it and hooves of animals. And the reason why is because they wanted to make it really hard to penetrate. So they'd cover up all the major organs of the the, um, warrior. The way that we cover ourselves more than anything is seek the righteousness of God in a society who pushes the righteousness of God away. God, I want to be holy because you said be holy because you're holy. So that's what I want to seek. That's what I want to go after. God, I want to go after your righteousness. So whenever I get up in the morning, God, I want to guard all my vital organs, if you will, for one thing. And that's going after you to become more like you. Because the only way that I can fight darkness is with light. If you think of the bird, the eagle is an amazing thing. It has over 7,000 feathers. And those feathers are like that body armor for the eagle it repels wind and rain, keeps it warm. They even have an amazing way to um, to regulate their body temperature through their feathers. I mean it's it's an amazing scientific thing once you get into how what God has produced in an eagle and what it allows them to work with. And just a side note, the bald eagle is not really bald. It's not like it's, you know, flying around with a little bald spot on its head necessarily, you know. It's because the, the head of the eagle is white. And it's amazing just the beautiful nature of the eagle for the feathers and how the color scheme works and all that. It's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful way to think of how God has armed us in the Spirit and how it all matches and how it all has a purpose and a reason. And the feathers on the bird, as they get out to their 6 and a half to 7 and a half wingspan, even on the feathers whenever they begin to molting, and molting is not something that happens in 150 days, Molting is one of those things where feathers will drop off. And then sometimes it even has to do with the environment that the eagle is in. If the environment is in, a, if the eagle's in an environment where it doesn't have to molt as much, where it doesn't have to lose its feathers, it won't. I mean, it's an amazing thing. But what happens is as the eagle's wingspan is out, say one of the feathers drop off the right wing, the same feather will drop off the left wing because it will keep it in balance. See, the whole body of armor, the one that God's given us in Ephesians 6, that's really what it does. It helps us keep that balanced mindset that this, I'm not to get caught up in the things of the world, I'm to fight the things of the world, get caught up in the things of God. And it helps me keep grounded and keep my balance. The breastplate of righteousness that covers all the major organs and those feathers help regulate the body temperature. Whenever an eagle um, lays, lays their egg and then their egg becomes an eaglet, for about 10 days or so that eagle has to stay close to that nest because the body temperature for that bird is key. They don't even really develop a way to regulate the temperature until about 10 to 12 days after that child after that eaglet has been has been has cracked open the shell. And that eagle mother stays close. And it just reminds me of Christianity. It reminds me of a newborn babe in the glorious uh, kingdom of God, how close God is at that point to shelter them and to show them. But as we grow and mature, God says, okay, it's time for you to get out and do a little bit more on your own. It's time for you to soar and walk in that faith. Paul helps us understand some more things about our body armor. I love the talons. Verse chapter 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The amazing thing about the talons of an eagle is, and we've got this brass eagle out here, and I'd tell you to go by and check it out. I mean, those talons are pretty, um, pretty authentic. They're about three inches long, and they're made for all kinds of things. They can be used as a weapon. They can be used to grab the prey and sink into it and even kill the prey if they need to. They use it to hold it as the prey is dismembered and the bones are crushed and all these different things to feed their young. Well, I was out fishing at uh, Clear Creek Lake, and I wasn't catching anything. I mean, i walking up the dam, walking up and down the dam, walking up and down the cast after cast after cast. I'm like, you know what? There's no fish in this entire lake. About that time, either a hawk or an eagle scooped down, and guess what they found? I just laughed to myself and said, thanks a lot, God. I appreciate that. <laughs> Here, There ain't no telling how many thousands of dollars worth of fishing equipment i got. I can't lure anything. Well, the bird had a better perspective and different things like that, but it was neat to watch that bird go down with their claws, with their talons, and snatch that fish up and just fly off. The talons are an amazing thing. Whenever we as Christians put on the whole armor of God and we prepare our feet for the same principle, it's amazing what God has given us as peace. The Roman soldier would have... Um, footwear that had nails in the bottom of it so whenever they would begin to have battle, they could have traction on the ground. Now, if you've ever ran track or played football, baseball, any of those, you know what I'm talking about. But those nails are those substances that would sink down in the ground because what it did is it helped them keep their base and their balance. So whenever they would put that shield in front of them and the advancing military would come up against them, they wouldn't, just be slide, they wouldn't just slide on the ground, but it gave them traction on the earth. See, the gospel of peace is what gives us traction on the earth. See, I'm no longer worried about my salvation because I've come to peace with my God who loves me. Therefore, I don't have to always get caught up in the things around me, yet I can keep my eyesight on God and say, listen, God, the most important thing is that in my heart and my life, I'm at peace with you. And when I'm not at peace with you because I've stepped out of your will or I've made a fault or a failure, I know that your Holy Spirit will speak to me and I can step back in for repentance and find that peace again. And that's what he's saying. It's the gospel of peace that we've made peace with our creator, and that gives us traction here on earth because we don't have to get caught up in all the what-ifs. Mark Twain said this. He said, I spent, I spent most of my life worrying about what might have happened. I was, I was, reading, a re, I was reading an article um, a little while ago, and it said this. It said, if you'll take your what-ifs, if you'll take your doubts and put them into two different categories, if you'll, if you'll put them into solvable and the ones that float, He said, because the things that we can solve, we should try to solve and go after. But the things that we can't help, let's just not get caught up and tied in that. And call those floating problems. He said, because they're kind of like fog. They surround you, and if you get caught up looking in the fog, you're going to have a wreck because you're only looking at what's in front of you. If you've ever driven in the fog and turned on your bright lights, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like a wall and you can't hardly see very far in front of you. But as those problems that we can't do anything about or that we think are problems that are really not problems, as they consume our mind and our actions, then all of a sudden that's what we focus on and we begin to miss the mission around us. Because we begin to get caught up in all that and say, God, I want to change this. I want to do this. Why is this not happening? As opposed to saying, listen, I've got traction on the earth that nobody else has unless they're a believer because my feet are planted firmly on the ground and I've made peace with my creator. So I stand here in a peaceful state of mind knowing that I can't control everything and I can't help everything, but God, you've given me the armor to say, God, peace. Peace I'll leave with you. It's the traction on the earth that we need. It's what the soldiers would put on the feet as they would take that shield and they'd place it in front of them as they'd take that sword and they would begin to go after their enemy. As they would take that shield and they would guard themselves from the flaming darts and the flaming arrows. The talons of the eagle were made for protection for their feet. Those those spikes that were put into the Roman soldier's shoes to help them where they had that traction, it also created a sense of balance. On an eagle, it's amazing. Their talons will begin to spread out if they're on, uh, like on the nest, say they're looking at prey and they're looking down, and the wind begins to blow. What they do is they take their toes and they actually begin to spread them because it creates that balance inside of them. It creates that balance where they can begin to look. Because remember, that eagle's head turns about every five seconds, so it's constantly looking all the way around them at that 340 degree angle for us whenever we take our whenever we take the peace that god's given us through the gospel and the gospel alone it creates that balance says god listen these other things are not going to overwhelm me there's some stuff i can't change i won't ever be able to change instead of getting caught up in that what i'm going to do is get caught up in what you've called me to do god don't let me miss the mission for the mistakes and that's what we tend to do sometimes not just our mistakes, but other people's mistakes. It's the syndrome that we call where we've got a board in our own eye and our brother has a splinter, but we're so busy looking at the splinter that we're knocking people down with a 2 before that's sticking out of our eye. Anybody ever done that? Oh, we have to be careful. But God's equipped us with that peace, that footwear of peace. Finally, here we go into verse 16, the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can ex- ex- extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield of faith is an amazing example. Now, in the Roman culture, the shield of faith was, or excuse me, the shield was put down in front of the soldier. And many times it would have been about two and a half to four and a half feet. Could have either been like a circle or an oval, but many times it would be what you would think of a rectangle, and it would kind of be bowed in on the sides could weigh somewhere around 10 pounds. They believed that later on in the military it might have weighed 22. But probably whenever Paul was riding this, we'll just say 10 pounds for the sake of argument. And that shield would be a part of what they were doing. And this is the interesting thing about that shield, is that shield, they could hide their entire body behind. And it was to catch those flaming arrows. So if you can imagine an arrow from the enemy being wrapped in cloth, it was dipped in pitch, which is extremely flammable, lit, and then in unison, hundreds if not thousands of arrows would be launched at the enemy. They would take those shields and they would stand behind them and they would even put some over their heads, as you guys have seen in the movies and different things like that, and it would catch those flaming arrows. Now, many times, the um, shields would have been dipped in oil or in a water. That way, whenever the arrow hit it, it would not ignite. It would go out. Those arrows were designed to whatever they hit, that pitch exploded and began to burn up everything around them. That's the reason why it says to extinguish the flaming arrows because that flaming arrow would hit that shield and it would, it would knock out the flame. And it wasn't anything for uh, an elite soldier, if you will, to be uh, having that shield in his hand while an uh, arrow was flaming and they're taking their sword and they're getting after it. I mean, can you imagine? that? Was, that's a cool movie. You know what I mean? But, but there were some amazing fighters like that. But what happens is that man was able to get behind the shield completely. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself shielding myself with my mouth. <laughs> or maybe some, maybe some of my actions. Maybe of what I think I deserve or what I think I'm entitled to. Whenever Paul's teaching us, no, what shields you is your faith, so get behind it. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other things are sinking sand. It is my faith and my hope. Whenever COVID came around a couple years ago, I went out to my front porch, probably like many of you did, and I took my wife and my daughter, and we were all standing out there, and I took, I think it was olive oil is what we had, and I anointed my doorpost. And I said, God, you said this. You said that I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer by the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb. So, God, I am in you, and you are my God, and my sins are forgiven because of you, by the shed blood of you. And the word of my testimony is simple, that you are my God and I'm your child. So protect this house. Now, I would love to say that I didn't get COVID. That didn't happen. I got COVID. But I will tell you this. Many of the things that now that we're seeing families struggle with, looking back on that, we didn't struggle with that as a family. Not necessarily with the sickness, but all the other things that we couldn't see that was coming from that. God protected us from some of that. Because we get out there and we understand that, God, you've given us some tools. You've given us that shield of that faith, that hedge of protection. And we don't always understand how it works, but, God, I'm going to hide myself behind the faith. Those flaming arrows don't always represent trials like we think, think in circumstances. Many times those arrows represent temptations in our life. There's something out there that catches our attention, that looks bright, that looks amazing, and that beckons to us and calls us. And if we're not careful, we step out of the line of God and step into temptation. Which it's false sense is, if you'll just come over here and do this, then it will be a better life than you would have if you were in the obedience of Christ. We've all been there. And the shield of faith says, no, if it does not line up with the word of God, if it does not line up with the man or woman that I'm trying to be in my Lord and Savior, then I'm going to take my faith and I'm going to shield myself. And I'm going to ask the questions that the Word of God teaches me. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I act this way or should I not act this way? I mean, if we would act like our faith states that we should act, this would be a much better world. We all know people who say, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And then you see their actions out in the world and you're like, I don't know. Because they're given in to temptation but you and I stand behind our faith and say, listen, we will be disciplined. We're standing behind our faith. And if it doesn't match our, f- if it doesn't match our faith, in God, we're expecting you to put out this arrow in our life. But we will stand behind it, and we will be guided. See, God's given us what we need to, ex- to, to, exceed, to exceed and to soar like God's called us to, just like he has the eagle, that whole armor that he set up. It's an amazing thing. Finally, 17, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you see something else now, the helmet of salvation. It's an amazing, with the Roman soldiers, they would have a helmet, and the helmet would guard the dome of their head. And then there was a uh, probably a two-inch lip on the front and a two-inch lip on the back. And then they would have earpieces that would come down and guard their ears. And, of course, that was because the head was one of the most susceptible places on the body, and really any kind of blow would take you out of a battle. And you weren't always trying to um, kill your enemy. What you are trying to do is prevent them from fighting. That's part of it. So they would take the helmet, and they would stick it on their heads. And what they would do is have that guard. So they would have a neck guard, and then they would have a guard for their forehead and then, of course, the dome of their head, and then they would have the earpieces that would drop down. And those earpieces were not tight like we think that they would be, but they were loose. They were put there so if any sword came across, it would, it would hit that earpiece, but it was still had enough room to shake and to move that people could hear their enemy and they could communicate to one another. The eagle is an amazing creature because last week we talked about the eyesight that they have, but eagles also have hearing. Now, it's not some super stellar, supernatural hearing. Really, they hear in a lot of ways like a human. But I know for me, as a human, my hearing really helps me out when it's good and I can actually hear things. They, they also have the ability to have their beak on their head. Now, their beak's an amazing thing because for their helmet, or, or if you would take it as their helmet, what, they, what God has provided with them for their head is their, their beak, and their beak is, can be a sword. It can be used to fight off prey or predators if they need to, but also it's, it's, it's also um, the reality of what brings them life because they go out and they catch the fish and it's the beak that operates like a knife where they can cut skin, where they can tear off flesh, pick up sticks and build their homes. Their, their, their beak, if you will, it is an amazing tool. It's kind of like the Swiss Army knife, if you, if you know what I mean. The helmet of our salvation that God has given us to He said, take every thought captive. The important part about that is because that is our life stream. I have the assurance of salvation in my life from my Lord and Savior. That despite faults despite failures, despite blows from the enemy that try to take off my head, that say, you're not worthy, you're not valued, you can't do it, this will never happen. God won't reach this person. Look at everything that you've done. All those things that we all encounter, I put on the helmet of salvation and say, this one thing that I do know is I stand in assurance that I have salvation from Jesus Christ in my life. And if I have salvation, then I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And if I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ, then I know that he's got my back. I know that he's going to help me see, and I know that I can dig myself out of this situation, if you would. And I can rise above, and I can soar, even in those situations that we've gotten ourselves into. But sometimes we have to get our thinking straight. We have to take those thoughts captive and put on that helmet of salvation. Then he moves on to the sword of the Spirit, which in itself is amazing. So take on the helmet of salvation, and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We go back to the beak of the eagle, and that's exactly what that can be at times. It can be that sword. It can go after the enemy if they're trying to to take their young. But at the same time, they use that beak to devour what they need to eat daily. The sword is to fight off our enemies. Satan comes in like a flood. We're going to use the standard. What's the standard? It's not what I think. It's not what you think. It's what the Word of God says. So I fought my enemy with that. That is the weapon. Of the Roman soldier, it would be 6 to 18 inches long. And it was for hand-to-hand combat. It was the one weapon that they had. They had spears and they had uh, arrows for the archers. But I'm telling you, whenever they would go toe-to-toe with somebody, that was the chosen weapon, the sword. And for you and me, whenever we stand toe to toe with the enemy, with these powers that we wrestle that are not flesh and blood, there's one thing that we run to and that is the holy word of God. All authority that we need is contained in it. So we sit down and we read it and we use it as a weapon. We use it as a weapon to defend our family. We use it as a weapon to defend the legacy. We use it as a weapon to defend our church and our community. Amen. We read scripture and we pray perfectly, but we don't have to find influence. We don't have to find all these other things that we can go to. We It's as easy as going back. It's simply putting on the armor of God and I'm going to take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. I'm going to read those scriptures over my family. I'm going to read those scriptures over my church. But the beak of the eagle is also so it can feed its young and it can feed itself. The sword of the spirit, that's where we get our daily bread from. It's where we go and say, God, today I can't live on leftovers. What do you have for me today? What do you have for my family today? What do you have for the church today? The weapon that I have is your word. And you said it's like the sword. So, God, I accept that. So the five battles that we fight, God has equipped us. Just like he's equipped the eagle for everything the eagle needs to be able to soar, to be able to live, and not just survive as we know, but to thrive, to thrive on high. God, you've given us those same things. Let us look into the Scripture and say, God, I realize that you've given me the things that I need, not only to defend myself, but to rise above. Resistance is what allows the eagle to rise above. Resistance is, goes up. the wind goes up underneath the wings just like we learned in the airplanes and it causes them to rise above. The resistance that we have in our life is what's causing us to rise above. So we don't want to be surprised that there is resistance. But God has supplied what we needed to face that resistance but simply what do we have to do? We have to decide we're going to put it on. And if I look at some areas in my life and I say, God, you know, I feel vulnerable. I feel like there's some things here that, man, you're not really protecting me like you should. Maybe it's that not, God's not protecting us. Maybe it's just simply, God, have I put on everything that you've told me I've put on? Have I said, God, I'm guarding my mind today with your helmet of salvation? God, I don't feel like I'm getting any traction with anybody on the earth. I, don't feel, I feel like out of balance, out of kilter. Well, have I realized that, God, it all starts with your peace from the glorious gospel? So, God, I accept that peace into my life. God, I feel like I'm exposed to you here. You know, my heart hurts. There's some things that's hurting inside. God, have I really put on that breastplate of righteousness? God, God, I feel like there's some things out there that's kind of full of deception, and I don't know what's the truth and what's not. Could your Holy Spirit speak to me? Have I taken that truth, that belt of truth, and put it around my waist? I guess belts are good because it keeps you from your trousers falling down, and nobody wants to be caught with their trousers down, do they? <laughs> I wish some politicians would worry more about that. <laughs> I'll leave it there. (laughs) But the belt of truth, God. In today's society, when we don't know what to believe, how do we find out what to believe? And how do we guard ourselves from the lies that penetrate our family, the lies that penetrate our community? Well, I have to put on that belt of truth. And I want to encourage you this morning that God has given you everything you need for the battle that you're in. But we have to simply choose, God, have I put it on? And if I have put it on, then we take what Paul said. This is the hardest part. I stand firm. I stand firm with my equipment that God supplied me with and saying, God, I'm not going to bail on the battle, but I will stay here. I will hide behind your faith that you've put inside of me because I know that will guard me from the lies of the enemy. That will guard me from those flaming arrows in my life that we all face. Would you guys stand up with me?